Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Renaissance. My name is Chris. It's great to have all of you here today. We're in this series called The Road. Last week was Zeppelin. This week, Willie Nelson. Next week, I kind of hear there's going to be some Bruce Springsteen, but shh, that's a secret. And, uh, but we're having a good time uh, in this series. And uh, if you've missed the last couple weeks or maybe uh, you're uh, here for the very first time, I just want to encourage you, go to renaissancechurch.org, click on Messages, and uh, you can watch or listen to uh, previous weekend's messages and just get caught up because every uh, one of these weeks just tie in together as we look at the foundations of a Christian life. And uh, two weeks ago, when we kicked off the series, we looked at the Bible being kind of our roadmap or our GPS. It's our way to know God and know what God wants for us and from us. And there's several tools that I just want to quickly highlight. One is our, uh, we have what's called the road emails. They're daily emails, five emails in a week. They'll take you about 10 minutes to get through. And it's just a tool, a way for you just to engage into the Bible, because we get that, that sometimes the Bible can be overwhelming, where to start, what to read, what is it really trying to say, how are they wording it. I mean, it was written 2,000 years ago in a completely different culture, and sometimes those just create these obstacles, and we just want to kind of break down some of the obstacles and just uh, help you engage into the Bible, because we really believe that the Bible uh, has the power to change your life. Again, it's about you knowing God and knowing what God wants from you and for you. So you can sign up for the road emails uh, on our website, renaissancechurch.org. You can go out to the guest center and just say, hey, I want on that email thing that Chris was talking about. We'll get you signed up. It's that simple. Also, another great tool is an app called YouVersion, and it's how I study and read my Bible uh, all the time. And you can access it from your computer, from any smartphone. It's, uh, there's apps for uh, BlackBerry, Android, the iOS, uh, any platform you can think of, they have it. And, uh, and so download that and just carry the Bible on uh, with you at all times. Uh, you don't have to think about studying for hours and hours a day, just minutes as you sit, as you wait, as you kind of work through the rhythm of your life. Also, we launched two weeks ago what's called Version Live. And uh, every weekend now, you can go to renaissancechurch.org on your iPad or your phone and uh, during the service and pull it up. And you can uh, uh, click on you version live, and you can kind of follow along so you know what verses I'm, I'm going through, uh, uh, kind of the, the order after service. If, if you're like, what was that one verse that Chris talked about? You can bring up you version live, and you can go right to that verse. Also, you can see where I skip uh, during the message, and you're like, ah, oh, he missed something. So you can do that, because that happens every once in a while. And, uh, and so... Uh, uh, but uh, again, just another resource, because we want you uh, to be in the Bible. Simply put, last week, we talked about prayer. And prayer is just about you having a conversation with God. And sometimes pr- prayer actually moves the hand of God. But most of the time, it's about God moving within you. During the ten fifteen service last week, I uh, checked my email. I never check my email on the weekend just because I really want to uh, kind of leave that uh, tactical administrative side of my brain so I can focus on the message. And so I just turn, I turn off my email client. And, uh, but last weekend, I was getting ready to uh, 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 leave for vacation. And so Sunday, uh, all morning, all afternoon, I was just trying to, I was multitasking. And so I, I was on my email during the 1015 service getting ready 
for the 1015 service, and I pulled up my email. I was trying to clear out my inbox, and I got an email from a person. And uh, the subject line immediately grabbed my attention. It said this, so I raced back to my computer, post your message. And right there, I'm like, oh, oh no, what did I say? <laughs> you know, it's like one of those is very real human moments. What did I say? And uh, before I read this email, I just want you to know I, I asked this person for permission. Uh, so I don't want you to freak out going, if I send Chris an email, will he read it on the weekend? Maybe, but I will ask for permission. So I asked him for, for permission. And uh, uh, right away, he said, absolutely. So this is how he started his email. Interesting message, very thought-provoking. Now he really has my attention. Not to throw a wrench in your message, okay. But for the skeptics out there, how do you handle the following post your description of John 14 and Matthew 21? And if you were here last weekend, uh, or if you weren't, uh, just to refresh, John 14 says this. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And then Matthew 21 follows up with, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. There's these verses uh, in the Bible that, that talk a lot about praying, asking, and God will give. Pray and ask, and God, God will give you what you ask for. You, you will receive what you ask for in prayer. So there's these verses. And so he's framing up kind of the tension within his spiritual journey. And he goes, okay, remember, you framed these verses then he gets into his issue. Use the example of non-monetary or physical want prayers to God. So he's separating out kind of our selfish prayers, you know, that we all do. God, I need, which really means I want most of the time. So he goes, separate out those selfish prayers. What about huge prayers in God's name? For example, a prayer for a missionary dying of cancer to get well so he or she can continue to carry on their good works. In his name, this is what I struggle with. Very smart people like you can always find an out in the Bible. Very respectfully, this is my biggest struggle with the Bible. John 14 can't be clearer and is very easy to give a huge qualifier. My dad and I struggled with this question separately. How does God let 9-11 happen? Sorry to be so heavy right in the middle of Sunday, but you get my point. I bet people in the Nick services will struggle with, with these issues as I do. Why do bad things happen to good people post massive prayer in his name? I sat backstage in the green room, and I, 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 I paused, and I thought, and I wrestled with. Because I knew getting into the subject matter of prayer, that there was a whole other area of prayer that I personally struggle with. It's part of my spiritual journey. Some of you might know my story. Uh, years ago, I lost my son. And uh, so as I read his email, I knew exactly what he was talking about. I have lived through that, and I'm still at some level still living through that. I mean, it moved me so much that after the 1145 service, I pulled the, the programming kind of team together, and I asked the question, I go, do we change next weekend's message? Should we spend all next weekend just dealing with this issue? Why God? God, I went to you. I asked you. God, I prayed to you. Very specific prayers. And God, why, why do you heal some people and not heal other people? God, why do you work miracles for some people but not for, for me? 
God, why do you show up in this way but not in this way? God, why in some areas I feel like you're alive in your presence, but in other areas you remain silent? God, why? Those are the prayers I have literally screamed out loud in anger to God. I pulled the team together and we had this long conversation. We kind of left here last Sunday going, uh, well, maybe we need to re- refocus next weekend just to deal with this one issue. And I, I ran home and I had a few hours before we had to go to the airport to leave for vacation. I spent all afternoon working through what do we do this weekend? How do we, how do we handle this question? Because it's such a, 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 a massive question and emotionally p- pretty intense question how do, we, how do we work through this? And uh, I sent out some emails and was getting some input and advice right before my fl- uh, plane took off with my family. Last Sunday, I was on the phone. And this is what we came to. This is such an important, important uh, uh, kind of moment in so many people's spiritual journey that to take just one Sunday, uh, I think we would do more damage than good. And so we're going to just work through a whole series around this topic. I'll tell you right now, I, I do not have a lot of great answers around this. I can't wait one day to spend a couple centuries with God and uh, say, God, no, no, my list is pretty long, let's go. You have nothing else to do, God? Okay, let's go. I don't, I don't. I'm just... It's kind of the preemptive kind of uh, uh, answer all throughout there. I, I, I don't have a lot of good answers around it. But over the last few years, through a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, a lot of screaming matches with God, a lot of study of my Bible, to try to know God even more. I think I've arrived at a place that, that I can at least wrap my arms around a little bit. So I, I just wanted to come in here today, and uh, I didn't want to avoid maybe the elephant in the room. Maybe you left last weekend, just like this guy left, going, great job, Chris, great message on prayer, but you, you avoided the question that people want to ask. Why God? You know what I loved also about his email? I talk all the time about just keep moving spiritually. Don't push pause on your spiritual journey. Don't get comfortable in your spiritual journey. Whatever questions you might have, whatever tensions that you might be wrestling through, keep moving. Keep asking. Keep wrestling Keep moving through your spiritual journey. Don't get comfortable by pushing pause and just saying, I don't know, I give up, and I'll just be comfortable where I'm at right now. And what I love about his email was this is someone that, guess what? He's moving. That email was about him moving in his spiritual journey. And I know through his email and him allowing me to share it, it's going to help some of you move as well. Because you're like, yeah, that was my issue last week. Yeah, I could have wrote that email as well. So 
we're going to work on that, and uh, it'll be probably sometime later this spring, uh, maybe early summer, and, uh, and we're going to jump into it and spend three or four week, uh, weekends uh, just dealing with that issue. So uh, today, we jump into this next foundation of a Christian life. And let me preface this by saying this. Weeks one and two, no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey, whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, whether you believe in God but you're not sure about Jesus Christ coming, walking on this earth, dying for your sins, conquering death, going to heaven, if you're not sure about Jesus, uh, I just encourage you, jump into your Bible and pray. Wherever you find yourself out spiritually, just jump into, into those two components. Because by knowing God and getting to know God, by getting into your Bible and praying to him, having a conversation with him, you can start moving through your spiritual journey. If you don't have those two things, you're, you're not moving anywhere. You're staying stagnant. But this weekend and next weekend, these two foundations, I would just say, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you kind of haven't crossed that line of, of salvation or faith, if, if you haven't turned and trusted Christ with your entire life, if you're just not there yet, I just want you to know that this week and next weekend, you can opt out. How's that? Isn't that awesome? You're like, yes, you can sit there and you can listen to me. You can take some notes. You can say, oh, that's a good point. I don't want to do that. That's great. You can opt out. Now, what does that mean for the rest of you? If you've accepted Christ, you can't opt out. You can't. Not because I, I say you can't. God says you can't. So this week and next week, if you've crossed that line of salvation, maybe you're like an hour into this spiritual journey. You're like, oh, Chris, I just did. And I'm like, I can't opt out now. No, you can't. Sorry, it's too late. You can't. And so this week, we're going to look at this, this word serve or service. And it's all about living out your faith. And the best place to go is in the book of James. And James is going to set up this whole argument. And you can kind of tell, as we get through uh, James chapter 2, you can kind of tell it's almost like he's having this conversation with someone. But it's more that he's probably had this conversation with many, many, many people. He's sat down and he's listened to people. He's uh, interacted with people. He's been frustrated with people. I'm talking Christians, people that crossed that line of salvation, that trusted their life uh, with Christ, and that he's framing this whole argument around multiple uh, uh, conversations that he's had with different people, probably from different cities and different churches, and he's going to frame it this way. So he gets into it by asking two questions. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? So he's going to pose this friction between faith, trusting in Christ, and deeds, your actions, living out that faith. Now, let me just kind of uh, uh, deal with one, one issue right away. It might feel like at times, as we make our way through James, it might feel like he's saying that you need to live out in, in order to have faith. You need to have these deeds, these actions, in order to have faith. Even when he says, can such faith 
save them, right? Even when he asked that question. And I just want you to know, because some of you are sitting here today, you've left the church, there's been tension around your spiritual journey because the churches you've interacted with literally have said you have to earn your way to heaven. You have to do certain things in order for God to love you. You have to do certain things in order to receive God's forgiveness. You have to do certain things to get to heaven faster. I spent the week at, at a, a Disney World, and they give you a fast pass. It's awesome. And it was so great, especially towards the end of the day, and you got two kids that are tired of standing in line. And for some of you, you've literally felt like, if I do enough good things, I'm going to get a fast pass to heaven. It's not what James is going to say. It's not what he's saying. Faith saves you. Faith saves you. God's done the work when Christ died on the cross. It's a gift that God is extending to you. There's nothing you can do to earn that other than to receive the gift that's already been extended to you. So I just want you to know, James isn't going to go there. But he's going to paint this picture how faith and deeds come together. So he gives this analogy. He says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes, and that without clothes literally means naked. Okay, it's not, He's not saying without clothes mean they still have like a t-shirt and boxers on. He says, What if someone comes up to you and they're completely naked? It's kind of awkward illustration, but he's painting this picture. Without clothes and daily food. He's not saying they're just hungry because they missed a meal. He's saying they're starving. And not in the six-year-old starving. If you have kids, you know they eat lunch 30 minutes later. They're like, I'm starving. You're like, you can't be starving. We got the Disney meal pass last week at Disney World. We weren't starving. I ate more food. It was obscene. And my kids are like, I'm still hungry. I'm like, you can't be hungry. That's not what he's saying. He says, literally, they're starving. Starving. He says, what if someone walks up to you, they're naked, they're starving. And if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And that was just one of these uh, classic kind of Jewish sayings. It's like, oh, it's kind of how we say, oh, I'll pray for you. How's that going to help someone standing in front of you naked, starving to death? I'll pray for you. And James gets right, right to his point. He says this, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And that's James' entire premise. Saying, hey, faith must produce action. And if faith is not producing action, then faith is dead. It's not alive. It's useless. What good is it? Now, if that's not clear enough, James is going to take it kind of to another level. Because he's like, okay, I gave you this illustration, naked person starving. If that's not clear... Let, let me frame it this way. He says this. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. So he kind of takes this 
philosophical approach, saying, okay, fine. Show me your faith. By doing nothing, show me your faith. And I can just imagine him just kind of pausing and staring with someone, because I'm sure he's had this conversation many times with people. Because we as humans have this amazing ability to rationalize away everything and anything, don't we? And I'm sure James had sat there with people, good-hearted Christians, good-hearted Christ followers, and he just looked at him. Okay, fine. If you want to take this approach, show me your faith by doing nothing. How can you? So James just simply follows up and says, I will show you my faith by living it out. Then he comes in with this proverbial kind of right hook. Kind of a low blow. But he's going to paint this point very vividly. You believe that there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Even the demons believe that there's one God. Now their actions are completely opposite. Their actions do not reflect their belief. But the demons know who they're up against. They probably know God better than we know God. James is like, yeah, okay, great. You believe. So do the demons. Then you feel kind of this tension set in. It's like he's trying to come at it through this kind of encouraging leadership type of way. Saying, hey, if there's a naked person starving, would you just say, have a good day. Go in peace. I'll pray for you. Or would you help their need? Then he comes at it kind of philosophically and he says, okay, well, fine. Show me your faith without deeds. Can you do that? No, you can't. Then he says this. You foolish person. See, James is from the Northeast. You foolish person. Right? He's like, okay, I'm just taking off the gloves now. Let's go. Let's go. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Do you want evidence? Then he tells the story about two individuals. The first one. Which would have just captivated this Jewish audience, this Jewish culture, because he started talking about this, this moment in Abraham's life. Abraham, Father Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. The man that God came to and said, Abraham, through you, your de- descendants will be uh, as numerous as the stars. Abraham, through you, will be my people. So all these Jewish people were leaning in because, man, Abraham. I mean, God's way up here, but Abraham's like really close. He goes, do you remember Abraham? When God came to Abraham. And do you remember what, Abraham, what God asked Abraham? 
when God said, hey, Abraham, I want you to take your son, Isaac. And Abraham said, you mean the one son, my only son? And God said, yes, your only son. And Abraham came back to God and said, God, you mean my only son that, that I waited, I mean, decades to have? And God's like, yeah, that son. I want you to kill him. And Abraham was like, whoa, whoa, time out, God. You mean the one son that I waited decades to have, and you finally blessed me with that one son, and you've already promised that my descendants would be as numerous as the stars, but yet I need to have kids to have descendants. You want me to kill that son? And God said, yes, that son. When you read the story in the Old Testament, you know, I just wonder how long Abraham just kind of paused. I wonder how many times Abraham came back to God saying, no, 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 wait. I, I want to hear you correctly. God, do you really mean what you're saying? God, do you really want me to? God, are you sure, God? God says, go to the mountain, I'm going to show you. So, Abraham grabs his son Isaac. They gather up some wood. He gets a knife, and they set out. Along the way, Isaac said, hey, Dad, where's our sacrifice? And Abraham simply said, God will provide. They make their way up a mountain, the mountain that God showed them. They built the altar together, Abraham and his son. They set the wood on top of the the altar. Then Abraham took his son. And I think every step along the way, Abraham was thinking to himself, okay, God, okay, God, I get the point. Okay, God, uh, you can show up now. Hey, God, uh, really? Hey, God, th- this, this shouldn't be happening. Hey, God, Abraham puts his son on the altar. And it says that Abraham took the knife from Isaac. He raised the knife up. I mean, he was about ready to sacrifice his son. At the last moment, God said, well, time out. God said, Abraham, because of your faith, because you're willing to trust me, even with your son's life, now the covenant is sealed. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars, and you will be the father, the patriarch of my people. And James tells this story. He says, you remember that? You remember what Abraham was willing to do? Do you remember how Abraham was willing to live out his faith even to the point of almost striking his son? And at that moment, I think every person's just leaning in because they would have known that story. But then James tells the second story. He goes, you all get Abraham. Do you remember Rahab? She was living in Jericho. And she had just heard about this God, this one true God of both the heavens and the earth. This one true God that was showing up in a powerful way. And one night, she heard about these spies. And she went to them, and she hid them. 
And I think James kind of paused and says, hey, and do you remember what she did for a living? She was a prostitute. And there James sets the guardrails. And he goes, you're somewhere in between. Abraham, the patriarch of God's chosen people, and a prostitute. And then he closes out by saying this. As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Faith without deeds. Faith without action. Faith without living out. Faith without showing people what's going on inside of you. It's dead. So the question is, is your faith in action? Are you living it out? Can people see that you're a Christ follower by what you do? See, for some of you in this room, your spiritual life looks more like this. You're trying to earn your salvation. And there's so much guilt when it looks like this. Because you're trying to do enough things to earn God's love. You're trying to give. You're trying to serve. You're trying to work for God's acceptance. Maybe you feel guilty about some sin in your life and you just feel like the more you do, the more God will forgive. And then you do something wrong again and you're like, oh, I feel compelled to do more because I just did that last night and God's mad at me and so I must earn God's forgiveness. I must earn his love. I must earn his acceptance. And you are weary and you're tired because you're trying to overcome where you fall short, the sin in your life. God's like, oh, you don't have to do that. Christ did it all for you. So if you find yourself doing that, feeling guilty, feeling tired, I just want you to know, God's saying to you, no, take a breath. Forgiveness has been extended. Grace has been given. Love is unconditional. But for some of you, it's more like this. You fit into James' argument because you're like, oh, I have faith. I love God. I've given my life to Jesus Christ, but I'm busy. Chris, if you knew my schedule, if you knew my work schedule and my work stress and my family pressures and everything going on in my life, I love God and God knows it. I just don't have much time for the deed side of things. I just, don't have, I just don't have a lot of time to live it out, to serve other people. But God gets it. It's a season of life. The Bible says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Faith without deeds is dead. You see, when you give your life to Christ, he changes you from the inside out. You're compelled to live it out. Because love is in action. 
You see, we see this in the book of Acts. Jesus gives this charge before he goes up to heaven, gives this charge to the church. Hey, go live it out. Go put it in action. And you get into the book of Acts, and you see this early church, this early group of Christ followers living out their faith, serving people, giving to the poor, giving to each other, people in need, meeting their needs. The church was changing the culture in their communities because they were helping people that needed help. They were extending love to people that were never loved. They were getting outside of themselves and saying, we want to be about other people. You see, God understands When we get outside of ourselves and start focusing on other people, our problems, our issues, just start to shrink a little bit. They don't go away. But when we start focusing on other people, we don't spend all of our time focusing on us. Paul wrote this to the church in Galatia. In Galatians, uh, go to Galatians chapter 6. Thanks. Let's not be, become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And then he goes on in verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. He says, don't, let's not become weary because this life is short. Eternity is forever. But you have this moment here on earth. So as you have opportunity, make the most of it. As you have opportunity, extend kindness. As you have opportunity, serve people. Serve people. Your faith must produce action. It's just the natural overflow of your faith living out. I listened to a message a while back, and uh, uh, this this pastor framed uh, this entire verse this way with this one simple statement. He said this, Do for one what you can't do for everyone. You see, sometimes when we talk about the service thing, there's so many needs and so many people and so much to do, and we kind of go, well, I, I don't have time to help everyone, so we don't do anything. And what, what, what Paul was trying to get at in Galatians 6 is, hey, wait, as you have opportunity, in the rhythm of your week, do for one that you can't do for everyone. So the question is for you. If you're a Christ follower, how are you living out your faith? And you can't give God the time excuse. Because guess what? 2,000 years ago, guess what people were saying? I don't have time. I don't have time. Guess what James was getting at? I know, some of you are saying, I have faith and you have deeds. 
2,000 years ago, people were saying, I see, I have faith. I just don't have time for the deeds part. I have faith. I just don't have time to live it out. I have faith. I'm really important. I have faith. I have a lot going on. I have faith. I have a lot of kids. I have faith. I, right? We can rationalize away anything. So how are you living out your faith? I've been blown away this last year. I think about last September, and uh, we partnered with local schools and asked a simple question. And I said, what are your needs? And they're like, we have kids hungry. Kids coming to school hungry. And man, a team of people rallied together, and many of you brought in boxes and bags of, of, of canned food, boxes of food to help feed people. That's what the church is about. Love and action. I think about Hurricane Sandy. And the movement of people here at Renaissance Church. We're still helping people. We're still helping churches. We just partnered with another church down the shore. And uh, literally this church... Uh, is going door to door and they're helping not just people within their church they're helping their community people that are still have lost everything within their 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 house uh, they have nothing left and they're going in saying hey how can we help you i sat in a meeting uh, the week before christmas here in summit it was with the mayor and the chief of police and other city officials and other community leaders and in this meeting, uh, uh, this lady uh, talked about how Renaissance Church showed up at the middle school with boxes of bag lunches. I don't know her spiritual journey. I don't know what she thinks about the church. I don't know what she thinks about Renaissance, other than she was blown away by that act of love, it's faith in action. I think about the team of people that came together for a Christmas project to get gifts for kids that are part of kind of DIFUS. They're in the system. Think about the people that spent countless hours cutting out Christmas trees and writing names and gifts on these little Christmas trees so people could go out and buy gifts. You see, that's, that's faith in action. It's why we do these things. It's not to make us feel good. Yeah, it does make us feel good. It's not why. It's because a church must live out faith. Must live it out. So I got two challenges for you. We need people serving within Renaissance. We need people serving outside of Renaissance. One of the best ways for you to serve within Renaissance, we have two teams that are just critical to our weekend services. The first one is our first impressions team. It's the people standing out on the sidewalk. It's the people that, that, that greet you at the doors back there. It's the people at our guest center. It's the people that just make that first impression because this is what we know within the first eight minutes of someone walking into the opera house. They'll decide whether they'll come back or not. First eight minutes. That's before the band plays. Well, maybe.
So we need great people who can smile. If you can smile, that's you. If you can't smile, just work on it. It's people connecting with people for the first time. Because all of you have been here for the first time at some point, correct? All of you have walked in here for the first time at some point. Maybe it was today. Maybe it was five years ago. But you know that feeling you walk in a strange place, especially here, all these stairs and you're walking. I mean, you're really committed by the time you get up to the third floor. It's hard to sneak back out. And we just need great people connecting with people. And you know what's great about our First Impressions team? It only adds about 30 minutes to your weekend. Show up early. Smile, greet people, answer questions, extend love. It's a great way to serve. The other area is in our children's ministry. If you have kids, you know how important the children's ministry is. My girls love their church. They love it so much that... And I hate to even admit this, but as a pastor, I'm having to tell my kids, no, you can't come to church. Like, no, you can't come to four services every weekend, right? Like, it's this awkward moment for me. I'm like, I should love that they're coming to four services, but I don't want them to get burned out on church. Can you get burned out on church? I don't know. But they love their church. But this is what I know as a parent. When I drop off my kids, the adults serving down there, I feel so safe and secure knowing that my kids are under great care and they're learning. It's another great area. And you might be saying to yourself, Chris, I'm not good with kids. Have you ever seen me with kids? I, I don't know what to do with kids. I got my own kids, but I don't know what to do with kids. Great. Stand in the front lobby area and connect with new parents as they walk in. Answer their questions. I mean, if you've ever dropped your kids off to a place for the very first time, you know how nerve-wracking that is. That entire process, when you don't know the people, you, you haven't had time, or they haven't had time to build trust with you. I mean, we have many other different areas to serve here at Renaissance Church. I'm just highlighting two. We have great people, uh, part of our tech team running video cameras. If you like technology stuff, That's an awesome team because they have buttons and gadgets and stuff. I mean, it's awesome. Our Elevate Student Ministry is another great place to serve. We have a care team. I mean, we've got so many different teams. But here's what I want you to do. Within the walls of Renaissance, jump in and serve. After service today, Beth and Becky are going to be back at our guest center area in the cafe. And they just want to talk with you. And maybe you're like, I'm not sure where to serve. Just talk with them. They'll help place you in in an area and maybe you start serving the area and you're like i'm not sure if this is for me great there's move around to different teams check it out but just serve jump in but here's what i know we need to not only serve within our walls of as a church we need to serve in the daily daily rhythm of our lives and this is what's going to happen sometime this week god's going to just kind of tap you on the shoulder and say right there You're going to get a phone call, a text message, an email. You're going to bump into someone. And you're just going to have this overwhelming feeling, I need to do something to help them. There's a need. Do for one that you can't do for everyone. You're going to feel, possibly, this compulsion not to do it. You're going to start rationalizing. You're going to even hear my voice, which is really annoying. You're going to be like, oh, Chris, get out of my head. 
You're going you're gonna to say, oh, I don't have time today. I'll, I'll get back to it. I, don't. Because God's saying in that moment, serve that person. Put your faith in action. Because here's what I know about serving. It's rarely convenient. Rarely. And that's the point of serving. God's saying to you, get outside of yourself. Get outside of yourself and serve others. Because that's going to change lives. That's going to change culture. And it's going to change you. Got an email that I want to close with. This is what this person says. I'm humbled to play a small part in this effort. Thanks for letting me be part of it. These children have it so hard, the smile this will bring to them is very special and almost incomprehensible. You mentioned a blessing below. The blessing is what Renaissance has been to me and my family. Renaissance has brought peace and spirituality to my life that just did not exist. My sacrifice, as you put it, is no sacrifice at all. I get more out of giving than anyone will ever know. I'm grateful and humbled to be just a part of the Renaissance community. If you even knew half of what goes on in and around my life, you would understand why this is all so special to me. See, that's the beauty of faith in action. When you get outside of yourself and give, there's a blessing in return. Live your faith out. Live it out. And see what happens. See what happens within you. I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, if you even feel this nudging, go talk with Beth, uh, Beth and Becky. Just go talk with them. This church is special because of so many people like you who have given so much to making this, this place a special place. It's the uniqueness of Renaissance Church. Men and women living out their faith. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the power of your words. To know you and know what you want for us and from us. Lord, I pray this week as people go into the rhythm of their lives, that, Lord, when you kind of tap them on the shoulder and say, there's a need, that they'll respond. As there is opportunity, that their faith will be in action. In your name I pray, amen. God bless. Have an amazing week.